All right, so we are live, everyone. Welcome to Maxwell Video Podcast. We have two wonderful industry experts today. Um, I just want to make a quick point that if you're listening to us on Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever your choice of platform is, I would encourage you later tonight to go to our Facebook page or YouTube page and uh, watch the podcast because our friends have a wonderful presentation and I already have my notebook ready. I'm going to take a bunch of notes and I encourage you to do the same. Uh, without further ado, I know we have a couple more minutes uh, before everyone else is joining. I see we already have a few friends live, so I would love to take uh, a minute each or more for Emilio and Davi to tell you a bit about who they are and what, how, uh, you know, the journey. I, I think that's the most interesting. How did you guys make it into this specific industry? So welcome, guys. Hi. Uh, you want to start, Dovi? Thank you. Uh, sure. Hi, I'm Dovi. Nice to meet everyone. I can't see anyone, but <laughs> it's nice to meet you all. I got into digital marketing completely by accident. I was looking for a job in business development, and um, but I was applying to lots of jobs, and the job that hired me was a digital marketing agency. We had a really high level of spend in uh, around the world, and we're the largest health spender in Europe, Middle East and Africa. So, but the company sits in Tel Aviv. And because of that, I was one of the only native English speakers and it just kind of fell onto me to do all the compliance for, for these brands. And that's how I got into this. Very cool. Well, I love Tel Aviv. I've, uh, it's one of my favorite cities. So now I have, another, I have another excuse to visit. You see, this is perfect. My parents are telling me about the heaps of snow in Toronto, and it's great here. Emilia, what side of the world are you in right now? I'm in, I'm in Texas. Nice. Awesome. Well, tell us a bit about how you got into the industry. I know, but I bet a lot of the viewers don't. Um, well, you may or may not know, uh, but um, uh, I started, I started uh, my entrepreneur journey uh, uh, flipping houses, uh, back in 2004. And, um, uh, I needed to generate, uh, seller leads on Google. And then, uh, so I, I got into digital marketing doing Google PPC in 2004, trying to generate seller leads. And that's before I even knew what a pixel was, or, uh, I just had somebody like program a form for me. And when someone filled it out online, it, it would just send me an email. Uh, so uh, that's how, um, and that's before the GDN was even um, there. It was where, like, it used to be Google, Google, um, uh, double, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> before uh, GDN, right? Yeah, yeah. Double click, yeah. I think. I'm sorry? I said 2004. Wow, you're one of the real OGs. Yeah, so um, I, I was probably, uh, yeah, so uh, I was doing that. So, uh, and then uh, afterwards, I met somebody and, started advertising uh, uh, supplements with what I knew. And uh, and then I was just making money as an affiliate because I would just put things like lose weight fast, lose 10 pounds in 30 days. Um, and that was, those are auto approved and you could scale that to the moon back in the days. And that's before, you know, I guess Google started getting sued. So then they started right. getting out policy. I remember we used to call it the wild west. Of yeah. 
copy approvals, but thank you. That was wonderful, you guys. Uh, I know you have a presentation for us. Uh, I'm gonna bring it up. It's it's on the on the screen now. So I'll let you do your thing. We'll save our questions for the end. And uh, thank you again so much for doing this for us. Good. Um, so my name is Emilio Kim, and uh, Dovi is also here. His name is um, Dovi Lipton, and uh, we're gonna talk about how to scale compliant traffic on uh, Google, Facebook, and tier one traffic sources. Um, so that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, our email, if you need to reach us later, is uh, right there, and that'll also be up later on. So um, let's get the presentation going. Um, oh, well, this is redundant, okay. Um, I, I'm gonna show you a few slides on, um, on some of the traffic sources that we're spending money on. Um, we've either been directly or indirectly part of these uh, accounts um, uh, in, in some in one way or another. So on Facebook, um, this account in, from 2000, uh, majority of the spent was last year, but it was about $3 million. Um, so um, what we're trying to convey is we're able to spend um, without getting banned. Um, so so that, that's, the, that's what I want you to get here. So this is a, this is a, a Facebook business manager account. And you can see um, there's some accounts in there, but uh, it's about it's a little over three million dollars on the, in this account. Um, this is my uh, personal Google account. Um, uh, this one spent, you know, and I just pulled a screenshot right before this presentation. Uh, Fifty point six million dollars since 2012. Amazing. Um, on Outbrain, uh, it was a little over 100k a month, um, and this is recent data, uh, and and. And I think I'm showing a little over 700 grand of ad spend on this account. Um, and Credio, it's, a, it's another native source, uh, uh, showing over 500K in 2021. So the idea is, you know, uh, compliance scaling on tier one networks. So we know what we're talking about here. I know some people spend more, but um, just to gain some credibility. So, um, and also um, I've spent um, I've personally spent over $50 million on email CPM traffic. Um, what that is, is when you pay somebody a fee and they'll send an email out on your behalf and you make what you make. Um, so that's what that is. So, um, uh, you want to know what the secret to endless traffic without getting your accounts banned is as an affiliate. And, uh, and the secret is you have to cater your offer to the traffic source. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, generally, I call this, um, most people know this, but there, generally there are two types of traffic sources. There's email and there's network traffic. And, uh, and the reason why I don't, I like, I like email because you can test something fast uh, and get results fast. But I do think there's a, there's a bottleneck there. There's a ceiling. Um, and some of the things that I don't like about it is everyone competes for the same buyers. They're on the same lists. And and you don't have endless amounts of lists. You know, you're generally hitting up the same lists, uh, list owners, brokers over and over again, or you're begging affiliate managers to schedule your spend, uh, schedule your send, uh, you know, one or two months ahead and, you know, constantly following up with them. And um, it feels it feels like a drag. So that's um, so there are positives to emails, But um, I, I believe that the dream situation is when you couple the email traffic with network traffic. then. Then you get a combination of both. Mm -hmm. on, on the network, you could predictably, predictably scale to the moon. There's billions of impressions any, at any given second on the internet if you were to hop on all the tier one networks. 
Um, you can control your own destiny. Uh, and you, and if you crack this, you're, you're, uh, you know, if you're on your way to potentially becoming a, you know, a, a billion dollar brand, if you, if you could crack this. So, uh, what you have to do is you have to write the offer for the traffic source. So, uh, for, for you to com compete on email, I believe just based on my experience, um, there isn't that much compliance. Uh, but I do think you have to, uh, worry about the FDA and FTC because they're on lists. Yep. And, uh, now I, and recently, uh, email providers, email service providers are start, starting to crack down on the types of offers you can send to. So, um, um, you know, before there was no compliance on email. Now I believe there is some compliance. And I've even heard of stories where people are getting shut down on uh, where their email service providers are shutting them down. Um, and yep. That's a real thing. Um, for the networks, you have to write compliant offers. Um, so anything you sell, ask yourself, if your spouse or your mom or your sister took your money without your permission and bought that product, would you be okay with it? Mm -hmm. um, that uh, if not, if you get pissed off, then that, that means you can't sell that on the networks. Agreed. Um, so, um, so that's how you craft. So you must there. There's a there are ways of crafting your offer for each specific traffic source. Okay, and we'll go over that shortly. Um, uh, t tips for crafting offers for emails. Um, uh, I don't believe that you could succeed uh, running running a compliant offer on email traffic just because um the types of offers that email traffic are used to seeing you're competing with very aggressive hard-hitting copy um uh, that's what i that's what i'm seeing because i um you know when i go to my inbox uh that's what i see so um for email you want to be the contrarian and you want to go over the top with your big idea uh this this is this is to cater towards copywriters but as a business owner, you must also know this because uh, when the FDA comes knocking on your door, you get a warning letter. It's coming to the business, not the contracted copywriter. So oh. the, the business owner has to be unique, directly involved in the offer creation, I believe. And you have to know what um, what you're selling and what the big idea is. And you have to stand behind mm -hmm. it as the business owner. Um, the copywriter is not going to uh, the copywriter is not going to care if they get sued. Cause they've already collected their checks and they've moved on to the next client. Um, so uh, the big idea must be unique. You have to have a mechanism. I believe um, you have to have a sense of urgency and then you have to sell the magic pill. It's gotta be easy to take. And, um, uh, you, and it's gotta be very unique. There are so many, um, there are, there are tons of weight loss offers, but you know, you have to be unique uh, to be, uh, you have to stand out from the crowd. Um, and also, you have to host this offer. I'll go more into this on its own domain um, as yeah. opposed to a compliant domain. Um, uh, craft, and so that's where I want to go here. Um, crafting a compliant offer. Uh, I, I believe compliant offer starts at its root on, at the research level. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the offer owner and the copywriter have to work together to come up with reputable uh reputable sources to cite so uh, i'm talking about third-party peer-reviewed clinical studies and and that this is where you make your claims uh you know i'm going to show you how to how uh how xyz helps you drop 11 percent body fat in the next 30 days and that's because someone's already done it in in their research and you, you could cite it okay right. 
So you could use third-party peer-reviewed um, clinical studies. Uh, and and if and uh, a lot of the ingredient manufacturers will provide this to you because they want to sell their ingredients. Uh, if you work with a, a ingredient manufacturer, and I, and a, and a good source also to use is Google Scholar. You could get all the um, all the clinical studies uh, from there. Um, so I have an example here. Uh, if fasting blood sugar levels for, of participants who took 10 milligrams of corosalic acid daily in a case study, uh, these are the levels. On day one, um, these are these are blood sugar levels. It was 200, 200. Uh, day 10 was 150, and day 30 was 100. Then you can make the claim that taking 10 milligrams of corosalic acid could decrease blood sugar levels by 100% in, in the 30 days. And then you have to cite the study and also use a disclaimer. That's how you that's how you make a claim. Uh, make a claim uh, compliantly. Um, okay. Yeah. So additionally, um, another big thing is you have to show yourself as a real business. So um, uh, you have to have a Google business profile or maybe a Facebook fan page, ask, get positive okay. reviews. Um, and I'm going to go through this kind of fast. So, um, and I, I put a few businesses there that I know um, show themselves as a real business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll go through this. You want to have like a con, uh, these parts on the website contact us privacy policy you want to have your logo you want to have a real customer service phone number you want to have a real refund policy and um do you remember previously on a non-compliant offer on email offer i said you host uh the offer on its own domain on the compliant offer you want to host it on on this domain um so like um my friend owns this he has, you know, this looks like a real website. It's got the logo, about us, quality, connect, careers. Uh, it's got a footer that I'm not showing here. So if if you want to run a compliant offer, you would run it off this domain. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, they're actually showing their pictures. That's his face right there. Uh, so, uh, so people think you're a real business. Think of yourself as a brick and mortar business, uh, trying to portray yourself as that. So that's how you stay. Uh, you you want the offer itself to be compliant, but then you want to have additional features um, for for people to know you're a real business on, to to stay alive. And this is also branding your business, by the way. So here's another here's another way. Um, Evan Pagan's a very popular OG in the industry, and he used to run this offer called Double Your Dating. Uh, are you there? Are you there? Looks like. Sorry, Anna. Okay. Um, he used to run this offer called Double Your Dating. He used to be not compliant, but he's worked on his uh, um, he's worked on his offer. Now it looks uh, totally different. He's got his logo there. He's got member login, contact us. Um, so this this looks very compliant, but it wasn't compliant. So that's an example right there. Um, Great example. And I know uh, I know the Primal Labs too. So. Um, I'm so excited that you're sharing the example with us. And I know uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but it's everything you're saying. I'm nodding because, you know, for us on the affiliate side, we do a lot of native and even yep. the example on how to have the sources with the milligrams. It's so wonderful. And it makes sense for us. But if you're a new affiliate getting started, this is gold information. So thank you. Yeah. So um, ways of coming with compliant big ideas, do lots of research. Um, you and you want to read lots of compliant offers and study how they make claims and back up their claims. Um, if you see an offer running on Facebook at scale uh, or Google, they're probably compliant. Uh, I'm, and 
uh, obviously you don't know how much you're spending, but if you're seeing it over and over and over again, over a long period of time, they're probably scaling. Uh, you want to read those offers. And um, another thing is you want to look at is the FDA warning letters uh, to health companies. And you can see why they're getting those warning letters. So um, I put the site uh, link there, but um, uh, all I did was I went to Google and typed in FDA warning letters, health, health warning letters. And then I got, and I clicked on the link. Um, and then the easiest way is actually to hire an expert. Uh, and then we could do, uh, someone could walk you through all this, um, and kind of guide you through this. Um, so I believe that you want to test big ideas fast and cheap. Um, well, uh, you, there's a voiceover software that I use and, uh, voiceover software that I use. Um, I could put that in later and then I just, uh, marry that to ugly slide decks and I test on email fast and cheap. And, um, if you're get a conversion of 0.5%, you know, th those are the ugly VSLs where you see nothing but PowerPoints. Right. Yeah. Then I would produce a fancier VSL with like with B-roll and a talking head. Um, then that could actually bump up your conversion rate closer to the 1% level. Um, so uh, I guess um, I'm talking to more offer owners here. Uh, then, you know, uh, because if you get zero conversions, then maybe that, then maybe you have to go back to the idea and then uh, work on the offer um, because a good idea, no matter how you present it, will, will convert at a certain level. Um, and then you want to test fast and cheap. That's the key to finding winning offers. Right. And then, um, and when you find a winning offer, something with a post, then you, you know, spend more money uh, on that offer. Uh, I believe you should be a holistic marketer. And my next slide is going to be the most important slide. Um, so I work on the price after the paywall. And that means working on the upsell conversion rate, your first upsell, and your order form click-through rate. Uh, because the CPAs on each network will not be the same. So, for example, if an offer has a $50 CPA uh, on Facebook, you might get a $65 CPA on the GDN. Mm -hmm. uh, but on Taboola, you might hit an $80 CPA. So how it, that doesn't mean you can't run on Taboola and Facebook at the same time. All, what you should do is um, have a Taboola only funnel and maybe raise the prices because uh, uh, you'd be su you, you'd be surprised that if you ra raise the prices to support the $80 CPA, your conversion rate won't suffer. So um, you have to be a holistic marketer. You can't say I have one funnel, go find all the traffic sources. And, um, and if you were to try to f hit a $50 CPA on Taboola, it's like trying to, um, uh, fit a square peg on a circle, you know, into a circle. So, um, you know, Taboola, maybe you raise the prices by $10 and you raise the upsell price by $50. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, so then um, you could actually make Taboola work. So each, um, so you have to be a holistic marketer. You'll get a ga gauge on the CPA on the front end. Um, and then, you know, you then uh, you have to make the back end work, meaning the average order value. So then the way you make that work is you raise the prices for that network. And then, you you know, you also have to work on refunds. You have so it's the whole picture. Um, so each traffic source after doing this for a long time will have its own CPA. You're never going to have a situation where the CPA is equal across the board. Maybe you could have an average CPA. Um, but this is like the key to scaling tons of traffic. Uh, you, you will have different price points per uh, per traffic source. And this will also gather, you will also have a different average order value per traffic source. 
I don't know if you've ever heard that before. So um, then with this, you could scale your offers to the moon. And I believe that this is probably one of the best things, uh, most important things you could hear out of my mouth. Now I'll turn the presentation over to Dovi. Thank you. Can you hear me? Uh, okay. Yep. Yep, Perfect. I can too. You can't? I can, I can. And uh, the compliance side, I'm, uh, I'm interested in that because uh, even after many years of running, we still have, you know, obviously it happens that we get our ads disapproved. So the more compliance, the better. So I'm, uh, I'm ready, Dovi. Tell us the secrets. Well, com compliance is frequently seen as a black box. So I'm going to try to demystify that a bit today. You know, I, I could, I, if I was to train you on compliance, it would take me a day to just run through the rules and another day to really nail in the nuances of it all. So there's only a limited amount uh, to be done in the few minutes that we have together, but I'm going to try to deliver a lot of value and I appreciate the time that everyone's spending here. And hopefully I'll answer some of your questions questions, Anna. Awesome. So just to build on what Emilio is saying, you have the two sides of the business. You have the non-compliant side and you have the compliant side. Um, Emilio, can you please mute? I think that there's some feedback coming through. Uh, I'm muted. Oh, okay. So you have, you have these two sides of the business. And the question is, why do you want to go on to the compliant side uh, of, of your operation? And I think that there's three really critical reasons. The first is scale. Emilio spoke about that a lot. There's a huge amount of scale to be had on the top tier networks. I don't have to say that. Everyone knows the user base and the traffic that, that these networks have. And so if you really want to scale your business, then you have to be able to operate there. But you also want to have a certain level of stability while you're on these channels because a huge amount of your investment doesn't just go into buying the traffic, but it goes into training the algorithms, into testing, to seeing what works. And if your account gets shut down, then you lose that whole investment. So sure, you could open up a new account, but you're starting from scratch and you're always going to be pay playing a cat and mouse game, which is not what you want for scale or stability because you really want stable scale. Scale in itself for a day or two is not what you're looking for if you're trying to grow your business. And you, you also really want to get support. If you can get a top tier support from Facebook or from Google or Tabula, these, these reps can do a huge amount for you in terms of all the support they give, not just on the compliance side, um, in terms of betas, in terms of credits, in terms of tons of different areas of support, but compliance is a major area there. And you'll never get a high level of support from these networks if you're not uh, if you're not compliant. So obviously the scale and stability helps there as well with the support. So these are three major, major reasons why you want to, um, to go there. And I want to continue to build on what Emilio said before and say that compliance doesn't need to hurt you. The example that he gave was citing your sources. And you can see here just uh, an example from one of my pages where you can see at the bottom, there's that 31, 33. Those just reference scientific sources that are at the bottom of the page. And in all the years of doing this, I don't think that I've ever come across a scenario where adding little citations at the bottom uh, hurt conversion rates. I think that they either blend in, users don't really notice them, they understand what they're there for, 
it's it's not friction it's not hurting you it could be helping you uh even now not all compliance changes that you'll make are you know this um innocuous like like some of them are bigger some of them are removing certain conversion boosters uh, and we'll talk about some of those later but the point is that just adding citations can go a huge way to making your page more compliant and this wouldn't hurt you at all um, and so you could see that you know in many cases it's, it's not something that you should be afraid of so today we don't have a huge amount of time together but I'm going to try to go through the three biggest myths that I think people um, fall for when they're thinking about compliance. Uh, I'm going to try to explain to you the mindset in which you have to think about compliance. And by understanding the mindset, it'll also help you be able to uh, think of this stuff on your own. Think about, is this compliant or is this not? So I'm going to try to help you understand that. And then I'll run through the top 10 mistakes that I see direct response marketers make when it comes to compliance. Uh, firstly, just a quick run through of uh, who I am. I'm Dovi. Um, you know, a lot of uh, copywriters out there like to talk about the amount of sales they made. So, you know, you have the $500 million copywriters. Uh, I'd say I'm a $500 million compliance guy because the offers that I've reviewed and kept online and, and really worked on have spent well over $500 million. Um, and my strongest niches are specifically on Facebook. I, I, I understand a lot of the channels, but Facebook is definitely my strongest uh, area in the health, wellness, finance, and business opportunities. So anything with health and wellness, fitness, um, supplements, diets, wellness, uh, finance, I, I've done stuff in crypto and business opportunities. So I'm sure many of you are in these spaces and I'm hoping that I'll be able to give you something that you can use. Um, I've been doing compliance since 2016. That's really when it started to become a thing out there that people had to pay attention to. And so I've grown with all the rules. I've really learned it from the very beginning and followed it the whole way through. Um, and I've, I've worked on really all the biggest uh, offers that are online and have been for the last number of years, but most likely you've never heard of me just because I don't market myself as a guru. I'm kind of doing the work on the back end. I'm um, not out there selling myself. It's not what I'm built, built for, so I don't do it. But some of the accomplishments that I've had over the years, um, I got a number, uh, not me alone, but the, with the agency I was working with, we got a number of Agora imprints, uh, not only back on Facebook, which is something they stopped dreaming about, but actually with um, official top tier support from Facebook. I spoke to Facebook about this before we did it all, and they said there's no way it's going to happen, but we're able to get their funnels compliant and back running with official Facebook support. Um, I've only ever done three trainings in my life. I did it for uh, Agora, Golden Hippo, and John Benson. And uh, like I said, the fun these funnels um, have gone to spend over $500 million in compliant ad spend. So this, you know, if you have the question, can compliant offers spend and scale? The answer is <laughs> yes, very much so. Here's just a picture of me. This is the first meeting that Facebook's compliance team ever had with uh, with clients was, so at cool. least outside their offices, was- All um, dreaming about this, Dovi. This is uh, amazing. It was cool. They flew they flew eight people out to Tel Aviv and, and this was the first meeting they ever had. And yeah, I got some cool swag from it too. 
That was fun. <laughs> Just the next slide, please. There you go. Just a handful of the offers I've kept compliant. Uh, this is not all of them, but you could see some um, some big names here. And yeah, now you know um, there's a lot of experience and ad spend behind what I'm uh, what we'll go through together. Amazing. Okay, without further ado, let's go through uh, the three top myths that people are falling to. Let's keep you from falling from these yourself. Myth number one, you can't run this or that. So what the myth is, is that you can't run direct response offers in certain niches. So in a way, this is a niche, in a, way, a myth, and in a way, it's not. Because there are sectors that you're not allowed to run on Facebook. Like you can't sell a gun on Facebook. You can't sell uh, a adult toys or you know there are certain there are certain types of offers that facebook and other channels just won't allow but within a channel within a niche that they do allow call that health call that finance or even to an extent crypto and add everything else onto that within those spaces you can run all sorts of offers now there's a lot of nuance in there so for example within health there's certain things that you're not allowed to do and also certain structuring of offers that you can't run. But for example, if someone was to say, and I've heard this a lot, that you can't run a VSL or a long form sales letter in the health niche, that's not correct. You can, it's just a matter of making sure that those offers themselves have compliant bones. But within the spaces that you can operate, you can run any sort of offer that you want. Right. Myth number two, you can't say you. I think this is one of the biggest myths out there when it comes to compliance and people do all the weirdest thing with their copy in order <laughs> to avoid saying the word you, you are allowed to use the word you. Um, it's just about how you use it. Uh, the, the rule that I try to follow and basically the easiest way to explain it is that if you're talking to someone about something that's personal in their life, your health, your financial uh, security or something like that, then you want to use the word you only in ways where you're talking to a general you, right? To a number of people, as if you were talking to a crowd. Um, and you want to avoid using the word you only when it is really singling out you as an individual. Yeah. And if you're to keep to that guideline, I think that you, you can make your copy stronger by using more personalized copy, but towing that line properly. And let's move on to myth number three, size matters. And um, a lot of people, like to really grumble about how they see larger advertisers doing this or that. It's really doing, seeing other advertisers doing this or that because they don't always necessarily know the size of the account. Um, but people like to skeptically say that if you spend money on Facebook, they'll let you do whatever you want. And it's actually the opposite that's true. The more scale you get, the more attention you get, both from algorithms and from people. There's many, many thousands of people working in Facebook's uh, compliance team, thousands. And they have, in addition to what they have in-house, they have a lot of uh, third-party companies doing this stuff as well. So yeah. they have the resources to put eyeballs on your offers. And obviously they don't do it for every offer. There's algorithms that are scanning the internet. But the larger you get, you can be sure that eyeballs will see you. And the larger you get is, is when you really have to be more and more compliant. Um, so we can move on to the next slide, but I'm just gonna talk about the Zuck test. So the Zuck test is uh, a phrase that Facebook likes to use to describe whether or not something is compliant. 
Of mm. course, they have all the rules, but they also have this general phrase called the Zuck test. Just imagine that Mark Zuckerberg is sitting in front of Congress, something that is known to happen these days. And one of the congressmen comes and shows Mark Zuckerberg an ad. Would Mark be happy and proud that this ad ran on Facebook? If the answer is yes, then you're compliant or good chance you're compliant. If the answer is no, then that's exactly what Facebook's rules are built around avoiding. Because I want to ask this question to you. What is a $20 million a month account worth to Facebook? So your ad spend is $20 million account. Your Facebook account is shut down for compliance. What did Facebook just lose in terms of, in terms of revenue? If you want not to guess, you can... I think. <laughs> I'm sorry? I said not as much as you would think. Yes, that's probably why I'm asking the question. But <laughs> the answer really is between, um, well, it, it's, it's not a lot. So you have to remember that Facebook, like all the networks, they're, they're working with auctions, with real-time auctions. And so right behind you, there's someone who's willing to pay just one penny less than CPMs, and, and they're ready to take the traffic if you don't take it. So maximum, maximum, Facebook is losing $20,000 off of banning your $20 million account because it's not what you give them, it's what somebody gives them. But the truth is that Facebook might not even lose $20,000 because bids are not the only thing that, that are factored into the auction. So mm -hmm. someone actually might be willing to pay uh, more for the auction, but you got the traffic because of something related to the relevancy or quality score. So uh, it could be that Facebook actually makes more money by banning your $20 million account. So if you can imagine that, you can start to understand how how the, easy the, it is to get accounts closed i mean it happens to us all the time and uh again i don't want to interrupt you but it's so mm -hmm. important the way you position this because you're thinking 20 million that's insane you know we are um the superstars of facebook traffic but truth is there are many many affiliates out there spending a lot and uh you can get shut down too, no matter how amazing your ad spend is. Yeah, and the, all the biggest direct response companies, like the pure direct response brands out there, they have shocking amounts of disabled accounts. So it's really, scale is not, scale comes with a lot of benefits that help keep you compliant, but it is not something that's gonna let you just uh, run whatever you want. So if you're running on Facebook, then you have to try to understand what's Facebook looking for in, in your offer. So these are just some of the questions that they're asking themselves when they're reviewing um, your, your funnel. Are you running with a, a, uh, an appropriate business model? Um, are you trying to scam people? Are you offering a bad user experience? Are you being transparent? Are you being divisive? Um, are you... I don't know, causing financial harm or, or trying to rope people into reoccurring subscriptions that they don't realize that they're being roped into. This, these are the types of questions that um, Facebook is, is asking. And we could switch the slide. Uh, what Facebook is really hoping for from their advertisers is that they give Facebook users the 
impression, the feeling that every single time they go onto Facebook and every single time they click on a Facebook ad, that they're deriving value from the click, right? So Facebook doesn't just want users to have a good time on Facebook, but they are starting, not starting anymore. For years already, they've been taking responsibility for the quality of the advertiser. So if someone gets scammed from a Facebook ad, then that really, uh, it reflects back on Facebook and Facebook has to avoid that at all costs because that's where all their revenue comes from. And that's also where all the scrutiny comes from. So uh, we spoke about the Zook test. This is part of what they're always looking at. And now you understand why the user experience will always trump revenue. Facebook is protecting itself. It's protecting its image. It's protecting its going concern. It doesn't want Congress to break it apart. Um, it wants, it doesn't want to lose users. It wants to have a good image for the next many, many years to come. So Facebook does care about you as a business. They really, really do. I've worked with Facebook for many years um, at the, the very top level of, of reps. I've met a lot of people in the, in the company. They really, truly care about your business success, but obviously not as much as they care about Facebook remaining uh, a company. And so when they build their product, they build their platform and they build their advertising suite, they build all that into the algorithms. And so we talk about algorithms a lot. We talk about algorithms in terms of uh, what helps you scale, right? You, you hit the right algorithms and you can ride a wave to scale. But what people forget about are the algorithms that protect compliance. And you have to satisfy those also in order to be able to, to scale. And those are built around supporting Facebook's image. Okay, so now you understand a lot about the mindset and how to stay compliant by thinking like Facebook does. So let's uh, run through the 10 biggest compliance mistakes that I see direct response marketers tend to make. Mistake number one is trying to circumvent policy. Uh, this is, I think this is kind of a crutch that people stand on when they just don't know any better. So it's, you know, you should, you should know better or work with someone who does, but the Facebook policy team is huge and their algorithms are powerful and they'd far rather flag, uh, give you a false flag than, than a false negative maximum you'll appeal and they'll review, but they'd really rather protect their integrity than to, uh, to miss something. So trying to circumvent policy is really a temporary game. And let's just say you get away with it temporarily. Remember, we're not trying to just get a couple more sales on, on Facebook or these other top tier networks. We're really trying to go for, for scale stability and the support that comes with it. So even if you manage to circumvent policy and don't get me wrong, a lot of people do, it's a temporary game. And as soon as you achieve your goal of scale, you lose your goal of stability. And so this is a big mistake and you shouldn't fall victim to that. Mistake number two is not differentiating between the different levels of a funnel. Now, Facebook is reviewing your um, activity definitely up until a paywall and possibly even beyond that. But certainly there's a lot of nuance between, well, there's nuance across your entire funnel, but there's a huge amount of nuance between your ad and your landing pages. And they look at them differently. Ads are reviewed the most strictly out of anywhere of your funnel and 
don't take this to mean that your landing pages don't need to be compliant. But also there's different levels of compliance that need to be applied between your ads and your landing page. Just as an example, you can do more teasing on, on, uh, on the ad, uh, sorry, on the landing page level than you could do on the ad level. Um, mistake number three is using negative personal attributes. There's a lot of ways where you could use personal attributes. That's also a compliance violation, but using negative personal attributes is a big one that people do a lot. And I think that this is one of the biggest things that hurts accounts. So obviously negativity is a great way to, to strengthen copy. Uh, this is a given, but it also makes users feel badly about themselves, about their lives, about their financial status, about where they are in this world. And when you make users feel bad about themselves, Facebook doesn't like it because obviously they want people to feel good about themselves when they go on the platform. Because let's be honest, most of us do things that make us feel good and not that make us feel bad. So if you go, if you feel bad every time you go on Facebook, you're going to go on Facebook less. Now, Facebook doesn't just want you to have a good experience while you're on Facebook. It wants you to do that throughout the entire journey. So also when you click off of Facebook or basically hitting an advertiser site, site thanks to Facebook. Yeah. Um, so they do that. So when you write your copy, try to motivate with positivity instead of with negativity. And uh, the good news here is that Tony Robbins says always that you can motivate people with two different approaches. One is through negativity and one is through positivity, either through the, um, the avoidance of pain or the pursuit of pleasure. And the avoidance of pain is a far stronger motivator. But the good news is that you could also very strongly motivate people with positivity as well. Yep. I think we're on mistake number four now. And that is thinking that weak <laughs> qualifiers will help you. So back in the early days of compliance, what everyone was doing is instead of saying, this will cure your cancer, this might cure your cancer. This, uh, or here we go, this, this trick can make you a million dollars a week instead of this uh, will make you, or this can make you instead of will make right. you. Um, this, this doesn't do anything. All it does is make your copy sound bad. It's, uh, th this, this doesn't do anything by the way, I'm not a lawyer, but this also doesn't do anything for the FTC. They see right through this. So if you're going to be writing like this, don't bother with the weak qualifiers. Um, but obviously if we're going for something compliant, we have to up our game and, and make claims that we can actually stand behind and substantiate. Mistakes uh, number five is being overly sensational. Facebook does not like overly sensational copy. Uh, there's actually, go to the next slide, please. Remember these sorts of, of uh, con this sort of content on Facebook? I just want you to think about when the last time you actually saw this level of clickbait was on Facebook, because you might've not noticed it phasing out but it's been a while since Facebook looked like this. Facebook doesn't want super sensational clickbait copy on, on the site because it just annoys people. And so this is a great example of what you can't do on a ad what, uh, versus what you could do on a landing page. On a landing page, for instance, you could tease uh, a book or a newsletter, but you wouldn't be able to do that on the ad level. So just try to find a balance of sensationalism on the ad level 
the the line that I that that they're looking for is um, you have to explain to people what they're going to get on the landing page. So if you can if you can tell them what it is and you can still tease them with what it is, that's the perfect place to be. Um, but you certainly can't just go straight out clickbait anymore. Mistake number, I'm losing track of where I am, but I think we're at mistake number six, six. which is uh, mm -hmm. not substantiating the claims that you make. Emilio touched on this before. Uh, and this is a great example of something that you could do to make your offer more compliant without hurting yourself at all. So instead of saying that this supplement ingredient does X, Y, or Z, just say that Harvard scientists found that it did X, Y, and Z. It actually can add more strength to your copy. And just by substantiating where that source came from, meaning not just saying, oh, here's a claim, but saying that Harvard researchers or whichever researchers made that claim, that in and of itself makes the copy more compliant. And that brings us to mistake number seven, uh, which is substantiating those claims. So when now that you're saying that Harvard researchers found this, just add a citation in there. Just put a little reference to, um, to the study or to the article. And those two things, uh, substantiating and, and citing a claim, go a huge way to pay, making your page compliant. You have to also understand that when your funnels are being scanned by algorithms or being scanned by people, they just, they, I, they see these things in eyeballs and, and, uh, and they might not even check all your sources. I'm sure they check some of them, but they probably don't check them all. They just see, okay, great. This claim is substantiated and here's a source for it. Great. And there are so many sources too, I want to add, you know, we think mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of work. You know, you start working on a pre-sale, you start working on an ad and you're like, well, it's going to be three times the work and I have to add claims for everything. Well, really, it doesn't take that long because take the Harvard journals, the American Institution of Health. There are thousands and thousands of you know sources and information out there. It's so easy to link to something similar to what you need to get out there, right? But in the long run, you're saving yourself time because you're not going to be recreating the ads every time you get banned because you forgot to substantiate the claims. Absolutely. And also, let's just be real with each other. It's 2022. There's a lot of great products you could be selling. And if you're selling something that you just cannot substantiate, then most likely you're selling the wrong thing. Yeah. Or just find something that you can substantiate, find a better product. You'll make as much money and you'll feel better about yourself. There's, there's so much to sell so many good products and, and those good products all have sources. So just yeah. go for those. Yes, not sending a source. We already said that. Okay, here we go. False scarcity. So um, mistake number eight is false scarcity. Scarcity is obviously a conversion booster. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. And there is definitely room for scarcity inside your funnels. But false scarcity is something that Facebook has weeded out for many years. The reason is because users don't like it. Right. Uh, and more than that, Facebook understands when scarcity is real and when it's and when it's false. So I'll just give an extreme example, but uh, there's a lot of different 
you'll understand on your own for your offers whether the scarcity is real or not. But let's just say you're selling uh, an ebook and you're saying that there's only 500 copies of this ebook when it's clearly an evergreen funnel. Okay, that's obviously false scarcity. Facebook will see through that in a second. But really, they'll see they'll see through a lot of scarcity tactics. Um, so just the best rule is if it, the scarcity is real, then you can use it. And if it's false, then don't use it. And remember also that when you achieve your scale and you'll be working with high level Facebook reps, they'll also know your funnels very well and they'll know when your scarcity is real and false. So if, uh, you know, I'll just say that the funnels I work with basically never get disapproved, um, but they, it has happened. And when they are disapproved, uh, when, when your account is shut down, then your Facebook rep can have it brought back up right away. Reps have a lot of power inside their organizations, but they have to want to apply that. And if they understand your business and they understand what you're selling, they know that you're being compliant, they could bring you back up quickly. I have never had an account shut down uh, that I've been running that hasn't been brought back up within a few hours because I just reach out and they say, yeah, that, that could go back up. Uh, so the point is that even if you can get past the scarcity uh, algorithms, it, if you're working with reps, which is a goal, then that's not going to work over the long run either. That brings us to the next one, which is false urgency. It's the same thing as false scarcity. If you're putting a 15-minute countdown timer on your page or you're saying that, you know, this event is going to happen tomorrow night or you know there's all the good tricks i don't have to tell you what they all are you know them uh, facebook will see right through that now you could use real scarce real urgency if you're running a sale for black friday or or for whatever it is then you can definitely definitely do that but you cannot use false urgency um and and facebook will will know, will understand how to how to see through that. And mistake number 10 is sounding rude because of compliance. So all of these, uh, the fact that compliance sometimes feels like a black box, you don't understand that. People start to write very strange copy. Uh, for example, when you're trying not to use the word you, or you try to write about words in ways that don't make sense at all. Uh, like, I don't know, try to, uh, to say what crypto is without saying crypto or digital currency or digital money. Like people think of very creative things, but it doesn't make the funnel sound strong. It, it makes your copy weaker. And there are certain proven conversion boosters that you can't necessarily use. Oh, by the way, for example, like false, false uh, urgency, you know, saying that big pharma is going to have your funnel taken down it's a conspiracy in addition to false urgency, you know, but something like this might actually boost your conversions. Something like that does need it to get taken out of the funnel, but it doesn't mean that you can't have strong compliant offers that, that are exactly the, and, and, and will scale. You just have to start with a compliant paradigm. It's the type of thing that Emilio was talking about earlier, how to structure your research and your offer and the writing of it. So that the very bones of it are compliant rather than taking a non-compliant offer and trying to change this word and that word. Um, and that's actually where someone like Emilio who can really help you in 
drafting that and coming up with that structure and making the very essence of your offer compliant. Because I like to think that almost any offer out there can be made compliant. It's just a matter of committing to it and to, uh, and to doing the research and, and coming up with it. I've worked with a lot of companies in the past and they try to negotiate with me on, okay, what if I say this and not that? And they forget that I'm not Facebook, so I can't make these concessions with them. But by working with a copywriter like Emilio, who really understands this stuff, can really help you um, find the right balance between strong offers that can scale and compliance, stability, and scale. Um, and that was, I think, 10 mistakes, but I have a bonus one in here. Um, and the bonus one is trademark infringement. Crap, I meant to put a, a screenshot here. I forgot to do that. But um, walk us through it. <laughs> yes, I will. So just go back to the previous slide, Emilio, please. The case uh, for us. No, no, the, the, the next one. Oh, yeah, the one that had uh, the picture yeah, yeah. that Dovey is going to tell us about right now. So testimonials is a big part of any uh, of any offer, and you should have testimonials. Please don't make that them up. The FTC, like a month ago, sent out well 700, 800 uh, letters to companies who are making up testimonials. So just don't go down that path. Um, so I'm just going to assume that all your testimonials are real, but. What a lot of people do is they take a screenshot of those testimonials and then they put them on their ads or their landing pages. And this is actually an area that I think that Facebook is being overly strict, but Facebook sees a screenshot of something that's posted on Facebook, like a testimonial as being an infringement of their intellectual property. Mm. And so if you put a, I've seen funnels banned because just because the landing page had screenshots of real testimonials from Facebook. So it's just, a, hmm. yeah, so just a bonus mistake. Yeah. Cause Facebook sees their, their like, uh, their like symbol and their layout as being integral to their intellectual property. And so if you take a screenshot of that, they see you as infringing on that. So just be careful if there. If it's a screenshot of an email or something that's not related to Facebook, we can use that, right? That's perfectly fine. And, if you were to do that yeah. on Tabula, then you know, put a Facebook screenshot on Tabula, then also you'd be okay. But Facebook has shut down a number of funnels over doing something as simple and seemingly innocent as that. So just be yeah. careful there as well. And maybe you have the consent it's from the user to share that, but because it's a, a screenshot from Facebook, you'll get banned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. So what we would do is just take that and just change it a little, mm -hmm. a little bit in the design and then just post that. And there you have it. Compliantcopy at gmail.com. We'll add it in the comments as well, you guys. Um, well, I have a few questions. Um, as you guys were talking, I got a few questions from um, our team and a few of our affiliates on Skype as well. Um, I would love personally, you know, you don't have to share a visual if you don't have it handy, but um, Emilio, you have been doing so much online right with uh millions of ad spend can you give me an example of how an ad should look obviously we don't want to copy your ad but give me an example you know are you using a strong headline are you using 
shocking pictures without having, you know, what Dovi said, the sensational, uh, you know, idea behind it. What does work right now? Because I know you're doing native and Facebook as well. On, on which traffic source? Whichever you prefer. I mean, we'll take we'll take both. We'll take Outbrain, we'll take Facebook, whatever you have, you know, or you, because our affiliates do a lot of native and social. So your pick. We're, we're just grateful for you to tell us what works for you. Um, I'd actually uh, say that in addition to whatever Amelia is going to say, I don't know if we can bring other people on, but if someone wants to bring up an ad, we can actually look at that live as well. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, this is yeah. what I do. Um, I'll share my screen. Yeah. Uh, so, so Facebook here, um, like, uh, I'll just go down and then, uh, so here's an ad right here. I keep seeing this ad over and over again. Uh, Ryan Hildreth, uh, that's yeah. a Facebook video ad because it'll say sponsored. And, uh, what, what you want to do is if you want to see their ads, just click on their fan page, uh, page transparency uh see all and go to ad library fantastic and you, and you could study their ads and it'll even show you their ad spend somewhere over here and so right now he only has two ads you can okay. see all their ads um so uh for native ads you could just go if i just type um i usually see i'm a texas longhorn and so if i texas <laughs> longhorn recruiting, um i usually if i just hit this these are native ads over here. Let me show you. Um, uh, you'll start to see native ads. You no, know, thing with native ads is when you want to see them, you don't see them, and when you want to see them, you don't see them. Uh, but once I, when, well, I don't know why it's so slow, but there, there's usually native ads down here, and mm -hmm. and what that, and that you also know where they live. Um, uh, damn it. Uh, Go to the weather channel. Weather, okay. Weather.com. So those are native ads as well, right? Something is, yeah. something yeah. is you know, I'm going to admit this and I'm, uh, you know, oh. I'm going to sound silly, but I we have the fanciest spy tools and we spend a lot of money every month on spy tools. And I mean, we can be doing something as easy as going to sure. the weather channel and checking the ads. I know. Yeah. So uh, native ads on... Uh, uh, Yahoo also has a native ad platform and it lives in their uh, network and I advertise on Yahoo a lot. So um, uh, native ads, see the word ad right there? Mm. That's a native ad. Uh, so, so that's a financial offer. Strange days coming. I think this is a Stansberry offer. Um, and they go through, a, that's an ad that links to an advertorial and there are plenty of uh, opportunities to click through to the VSL. Um, so this is the VSL right here. So that, that's a funnel you can look at. And then uh, typically if you try to click out of it, you can look at the text, uh, read the transcript. And that's one way to look at, that, that's one way to study a uh, compliant offer on Yahoo. Uh, that doesn't mean that if you put this offer on Facebook, it'll be uh, Facebook compliant. You have to know that each network has their own uh, compliance guidelines. Uh, for example, if you want to run a VSL on Tabula, you have mm -hmm. to have a link on the bottom that says text, then you have to link to the text of the VSL. Uh, oh. that's, that's something that only Tabula requires. Um, Yahoo has its own requirements. Google has its own requirements. But if you're used to advertising uh, on these channels, you'll, you'll, you'll know what the requirements are. Uh, but if you've never done it, it's kind of like uh, uh, 
trial by fire or you have to hire someone who's done it. Um, but each network has its own uh, pro- has its own policy requirements. So um, that's how th- this is how I you know study. Uh, uh, so if you want other Facebook ads, just go down the list here. Uh, here's another one. This guy I see him everywhere. Aller Keck sponsored. Yeah. Uh, he, he teaches you how to advertise on YouTube. If you just go to his fan page, uh, go to page transparency, see all, um, and then and then you could see um, this ad is running. Go to go to the ad library. Um, I honestly never clicked under the page transparency part. Yeah. So um, this is um, $2,100. Uh, uh, that's probably like a daily amount, uh, but you can see all his ads. And then you, you can go to the ad details and you can go through the funnel this way because it'll, if you, you can click through to the offer here, to the landing page. Uh, now you can see what the, so he's doing lead generation. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, so uh, yeah. So, um, Generally, they don't want you. Facebook generally doesn't want you to uh, uh, um, impede someone from leaving the website. So, see this right here. This, I, I think, this could get you flagged. I don't know. Uh, like, Actually, I'll just add a little nuance there. Um, you're allowed to use an exit overlay like this. You can okay. use an exit uh, pop-up pop. or blocker. Gotcha. So, the overlay doesn't pop up. It's just on the same screen. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm not talking about the content of this, but this sort of mechanism would be compliant. Okay. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, on Google, I know that, um, uh, if I think if you were to use that on Google, although he's teaching you, uh, YouTube that could get you banned on Google. Uh, and, and it's all, it's all to the, uh, opinion based on someone's opinion, I guess, who's, whoever's looking at that. But, uh, so that's how I study, uh, offers on the, um, I know, I know, uh, Tabula has a, like, like MSN.com. That's a big place for uh, Tabula or Outbrain. I forgot the MSN properties. These are negative. There are a lot of native ads here. Like, uh, see this ad thing right here. You can see all what the ads are ad. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then you have native ads down there. All there. It's like money. white ad from our partners right here? Uh, these are native ads here. Um, see these guys are dominating right at Uli.com. Uh, yeah. so if you want to, so if you want to advertise on MSN, these are uh, you have to go to um, Outbrain or Tabula, uh, and then this is how the ads will look. And then um, uh, this is a this is most likely an advertorial. They want you to go to the page, so you can see how they're advertising it. Uh, here's another ad here. Back because uh, he's, he's retargeting me. He's retargeting oh. me on you on YouTube, uh, on Google. Uh, so I, because I saw his Facebook ad, now he wants me to see his. Um, uh, add on this is a Google ad. If you hover over it, you see on the lower lower right here, you're gonna see Google Lead Services.com. That's how you know it's a Google ad. So he's retargeting me on Google. Um so if you click on this, this is gonna be a different funnel because this now it's a now it's a now it's a, a webinar. Um so yeah. So uh yeah I could spend hours doing this. I and, so you yeah. know, it just had an idea. So I'll have you guys back, and the only thing we'll be doing will be discussing ads because I'm starting to get really excited about it, and uh, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to ads. We uh, one of the questions I actually had for you. Um, you mentioned Criterio. 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 Tell me about it. It's the first time I'm hearing about it. Is it is it a native platform? Yeah. So it's a Verizon um, uh, Criterio. No, uh, it's Credio. Uh, so I, um, so Credio, um, they're probably, um, 
uh, if you go to go.creo.com, uh, you could sign up. Uh, they're a native ad platform, and a lot of their placements are on Outbrain and Taboola. So, uh, uh, nice. so uh, if you want to run um, Outbrain ads that are more aggressive, you go to Credio because Credio has Outbrain placements, and um, it's a little hack. So I could run an ad uh, with an image of Elon Musk. If you've seen that Elon Musk uh, or um, or Warren Buffett, it's a financial ad. Those are my ads. But if I were to go straight to Outbrain, they would be immediately disapproved. But because I go through Credio, uh, Credio approves them, and um, they have a backdoor channel through Outbrain. So, uh, so I'm able to run uh, those ads with those images uh, on Outbrain through Credio. Uh, so, but um, Credio ha has um, they they buy on a lot of exchanges on um, on the double click network. They're all over the internet. They have some Yahoo placements too. Uh, so. Um, Typically on Credio, uh, it's more expensive on Credio. Uh, you could uh, they'll invoice you ahead of time for ad spend. Um, you might have to pay a hundred thousand dollars up front. Uh, so um, and uh, you get that type of support, uh, and you can run more aggressive. So you really have to know where you can be more aggressive and where you can't. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's, I mean, uh, it's it's no secret. I spoke about this in uh, New York for Affiliate Summit. Uh, we do the same thing, right? We'll do our brain when we can, because I saw Ellen's question earlier about our offers. We have some offers that are very aggressive that not very, you know, it's uh, it might be a wrinkle screen, but the ad, the way it's created, because it's so, you know, you're not going to get rid of wrinkles overnight, right? So what I, I'm trying to you might be able to run that on Outbrain through Credio. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, with our offers too, some offers are not going to be doing well on Facebook. That's why I always emphasize this. There are certain offers on MaxWeb that are going to be wonderful for Facebook, but others that we will encourage you to run on Rev Content just because they have different guidelines. They won't care if you have, you know, uh, specific points that on Facebook are not allowed. So, you know, the point of today's presentation was too, if you really want to do Facebook, for example, because I know it's, it's such a, pro a profitable and I love that it's consistent once you hit the compliance, you know, then pick an offer that's going to be, you know, appropriate for Facebook, right? We're not here to judge anyone if you, you know, you want to run something on ref content that's, you know, a bit on the middle and it can be a bit more aggressive, uh, you know, that's cool. But if you want to do Facebook or even the long game, you know, uh, let's be honest, five years ago, we were able to run anything and now we cannot. And I honestly don't see it as a bad thing per se, because that's how we evolve. And that's how, you know, the strong marketers are going to be here, you know, in the next decade. And we can definitely evolve and we can learn to be compliant, right? I really think it's possible. I've seen it the last couple of years with a lot of our super affiliates that were used to running everything from having the clock and the false scarcity. And we learn to adapt. We learn to be good and listen and find creative ways of being good performance marketers, having, you know, the right pictures, the right headlines. You can still have high conversion rate while keeping the compliance up, right? That's that's what I'm trying to say. So I'll take two questions. I know I'm, I'm getting very excited. We'll do another one and you guys are going to help us run through ads and see which ones are uh, compliant. So um, let's see, I'll pick two. 
Um, hey, Amy, you mentioned a voice over side. Can you tell us what you use? Yeah, so. Um, uh, just Google well said labs. Um, well said. Um, can I type here? Yeah, absolutely. Go to the right. Can you do you have access to it? Like the... I, 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 I put it on the chat. No, so can... so the way it works is if you upload a script, it'll spit back 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 a voiceover. And if it's like a very complicated word, you could change that word, uh, and you could change the speed of the voiceover. It's very good. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm I'm sure you know uh, Mada ads because we have so many affiliates that are doing YouTube ads, and it's a pain finding the, you know the right voiceover uh, for the ads. We use the same actor that usually does the VSLs. It can get very expensive. So that's really, really good advice. All right, I'll, I'll take one more. Let's this is one of many. There's a bunch of them out there, by the way. Give me another example. Uh, just so um, uh, this is the one I use, but I forgot which one I was going to choose when I started to uh, choose one. But if you Google well said lab space versus, that's how I find everything. Uh, then it'll give you well, and then it'll give you their competitors. Perfect. Just Google. You'll see them on Google. Well said ads, you guys. All right. Uh, one more question. Emilio, you mentioned a Google business profile and Facebook fan page for vendors for offers. Would you recommend that for VSL offers too? Should we do this for all our offers? Yeah. I was, I, I, my presentation was geared towards VSL offers. Awesome. I, I, I run nothing but VSL offers. All that well, ad spend is all VSL. That because on MaxWeb, 99% of offers are VSLs. So, uh, you know, it's I, I, I know for a fact uh, some of the our offers have a Facebook fan page, the ones that are very, you know, well-known, like the weight loss offers and whatnot. But I'm not sure if all of them do. And this is such good advice because you assume people know your offer. They know it's great. Uh, but not all offers are Organifi or Biotrust. Um, you know, I'm mentioning um, bigger names. I mean, Organifi is on MaxWeb as well. We run traffic to them. We love them. Um, they obviously have a Facebook fan page, but there are other offers out there. And if you're a vendor listening to this, it doesn't take a lot of time to set up the fan page and the Google business profile. And, you know, Emilio is saying that's really going to help your compliance and you're not going to get shut down. Oh, well, yeah, I was when I said that I was mainly speaking to the actual business owner, not the affiliate. But uh, there, are, there are ways of running this stuff as an affiliate, but that requires a whole different presentation. And if you're trying to do the research, if that's why you're going to the brand transparency page, in the ad library to do research on your competitors, keep in mind that many scaled offers use a different business page than their um, than their company page, or maybe they have no company page because you have to run an offer from a, from a page. So their yep. page might be called something else. And if you see their ad organically, when it comes up, then that's a good opportunity to visit their page and visit the ad library, or you might not be able to see all their ads otherwise. Fantastic. Well, we are well over our one hour, which means I just had too much fun with you guys. And uh, you're live, so you cannot say no. You have to agree to come back. So we do a we'll do a podcast where we're just gonna analyze ads for an hour. So um, you have to say yes. Sounds sure. good.
Awesome. Well, um, besides Facebook, if uh, anyone wants to reach out to you guys, should we use the email compliantcopy at gmail.com? Yeah, that works. Would you, I'm, I'm putting this out there. If I'm a product owner, I need help with my copy. Would I be able to reach out to you guys? So you guys can give me some pointers. Like, can I hire you? Um, yeah. Uh, situation by situation. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now I know you guys are very busy, but I'm sure there are some brilliant people out there that could, you know, use the help and advice. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much to both of you. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back. If you um, have time later, go through the Facebook page. I see a lot of comments and questions. It would be so awesome for you guys to interact with, with our friends. As we send the newsletter tonight, we're going to have more and more affiliates watching this and uh, we might have new questions. So if you have the time, check it out. And uh, for everyone listening, if you are on Spotify or Apple podcast, make sure to check on uh, to check the podcast on YouTube or Facebook because the slides were fantastic. I see a lot of comments where people wanting the slides. They were fantastic. So uh, thank you for putting the work. I know you both are so busy and uh, basically you're giving back to the community, showing what works for you. And uh, that's very, very valuable. Great. Thanks for having us on. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. See you guys soon. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye.